When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heading into our last segment of Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason, and time for a little bit of the negative from last game. As Jeff mentioned before we head into this segment, those big chunk plays that this Saints team gave up, and it was a you know a bit disturbing to see, obviously, because there were just the Seattle offense just moved it so quickly down the field. And it was three plays, four plays, five plays, and boom, you're in the end zone. And I know that co-defensive coordinator Chris Richard appeared on the coach's show, talked about it a little. And it's obviously another problem that this team's got to work on fixing heading into this week's game against Cincinnati because the Bengals offense has plenty of guys that are able to rip off those big chunks of yardage. Chunk plays were, they were disappointing. And when we have guys in position and it's uh, things that we're well aware of that they're going to try and attack us with. And, and ultimately, you know, we don't, we don't handle the job properly in in executing, you know, that, 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 that part is disappointing, but I, I'll say the cool part is, is that you don't see lingering type of mistakes and things of that nature. So something new this week that didn't show up last week, and there's a point in time to where we're gonna we're gonna have seen it all. We we know this is a copycat league, and um, all of our issues like they'll 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 be fixed at some point in time. Um, communication is going to be huge for us as we move forward. And quite honestly, the 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 other part I, I think that is going to ultimately be a strength for us is the fact that we're playing a lot of guys. And, you know, the, the old cliche of, you know, like everybody's a starter because you never know when your time and when your chance is going to come. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're living proof of that right now. And a lot of guys are, are, are gaining a lot of experience in the way that we do it and how we do it. And the time on task is going to prove beneficial for us. Yeah. And I mean, I think he makes some good points there. And, you know, one of the other things that DA said after the game was like, you know, I think the defense played pretty well outside of maybe four plays. <laughs> Unfortunately, those four plays accounted for 28 points. And he's not wrong, you know, because you can you can point to four long touchdowns, 40-plus yard touchdowns that kept the Seahawks alive in this game. And so the first one here, it came on the first drive. You know, it started from the first drive of the game, and you just kept going. So this one is interesting, and this is a good example of if you're watching the broadcast, you need to understand that you're not going to see everything, right? You're going you're gonna to miss what's happening with the safeties, and if you don't know what the safeties are doing, then you don't really know what's happening on any particular play. And this is a good example. When I watched this, even when I watched this at the Dome, I wasn't looking at the right part of the field to catch it in real time, and then I looked up at the replay on the TV, 
And I would have assumed what happened is Paulson Debo gets caught up in, in traffic. It's not what happened. That's what the Seahawks are trying to do. You know, you have two routes, but they're coming like over here and another one coming over here. And DK Metcalf, he's going to motion in here into the stack behind Tyler Lockett. And then he's going to slide under and then just kind of plant himself in the middle of the field. Now, Paulson Adebo is in man. So he's chasing DK over the top. And he actually does a good job of kind of tracking him and getting in position over here. DK's open. But Paulson is going to make that tackle. Now, what happens is Gino has to extend the play. And I don't know if it's a built-in adjustment for DK or if he's just kind of ad-libbing, but he kind of makes a late double move. And that's where he gets open because Paulson is coming down thinking that like this is a third down play. Gino is just going to hit him and get that first down. He's trying to prevent that, right? This is another example of, you know, you're trying to prevent three points and you allow seven. Because if you're just patient and you let him throw that ball and you make the tackle, it's not a touchdown. Paulson does a good job of actually just maintaining his his positioning. And you have a linebacker. So like this is taken away effectively. And I think that there's a built-in adjustment here where you don't have anyone occupying this part of the field. So DK Metcalf knows if he's taken away on that initial route and Gino is extending the play, he can just spin out and get downfield. And so that's where he gets open. Like Paulson didn't get picked off. He didn't get outrun. He's trying to come up and make a play. And the second he takes that step toward DK, he just breaks out. And then it's like, okay, okay, yeah, this guy is like an Olympic sprinter. You're not catching up to him. And uh, I think one of the things you'll see in this common denominator on these plays is I'm not sure Paulson, as an outside corner, has this, the makeup speed you want in some of these matchups in the matchups with the Tyler Lockett's of the world guys who are going to get over the top. And I wonder going forward, if it might make more sense to have him work into the slot and have a Bradley Roby or Alante Taylor, when he comes back on the outside guys who I think have a little more foot speed, but yeah, so that's that first touchdown, nothing super complicated there, but I also think that there is a coverage bust here somewhere because one of these guys needs to sink. And I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Roby because you're not going to have the slot sink but I think one of these players, and I think it's supposed to be Roby, needs to sync with D. Eskridge, and he doesn't. And so when he doesn't sync and D. Eskridge is floating downfield by himself, Tyron Matthew, your lone safety down the field, has to kind of float over the top. And that's why there's no deep coverage to give Paulson Adebo any help. So watch what happens down here where, you know, I think it's possible that Bradley thought that Paulson was, was sinking and passing off that route. But he's not. He's in man. So he's, he's coming across. And so you can see right here, one of these guys needs to go with the receiver going downfield because Paulson's working over the top. None, neither of them do. So D. Eskridge is wide open. <laughs> if, if Tyron doesn't come over here and take that away, that's a touchdown to the other side of the field. So that's why DK has the entire field to work with. And that's either a coverage bust or a mistake of some kind by the Saints that kind of creates that play. But you know, it's everything went wrong here, right? And that's what you, you, you're going to see on a few of these. Yeah, and I know we talked about it a little bit too previously, but man, really impressed with the way Geno Smith ran things and his, his, even his vision down the field and touch on the ball too. I mean, the arm talent is, is undeniable. Like even this throw, right? Like this throw isn't that difficult to make, but look at his, the platform he's throwing from. 
Like he's sliding to his left away from his arm, which is very yeah. difficult. Your momentum is carrying you the wrong way. So he can't really get a lot on this throw. And so you, you'll see you'll see quarterbacks, you know, maybe not miss this throw because it's a hard throw to miss, but not throw it perfectly where your receiver can make a play and and catch and run. And he just throws a perfect ball to DK. And that's what makes it a touchdown instead of a 40-yard gain, right? So that's an impressive work by him. And that's going to be the case again on these next two touchdowns. So here you have uh, Paulson Adebo over here and Tyler Lockett. Now, this is a weird situation because you end up with JT Gray as your deep safety. And that's just not a scenario you ever expected to have to say. And he's not able to kind of read this correctly. Now, remember, this came right after the turnover from Alvin Kamara to set up like a Seahawks drive to end the game. And so you can see they're right on the edge of field goal range. And I think if you're the Saints, you are expecting them to want to get three, four, five more yards to make that field goal easier. It's also, they don't have a timeout left. So if you get tackled inbounds down the field, the half is over. So this is either going to be a touchdown or nothing when you go downfield. And so the Saints, again, surrender seven points trying to prevent three because if you were just going to concede this field goal which i think you should at this point because it's a 54 yard field goal from there even if they don't get another yard they're going to try it and they're probably going to make it right they made a 56 yarder earlier in this game so being able to stop them dead is only going to make it a more difficult field goal i would much rather see you play off coverage make like a picket fence and just say you can do whatever you want but you're not going over the top and Instead, you know, you're in press coverage. Paulson Adebo at the top. He gets beat clean off the line. There's no jam. And so Lockett gets downfield. And this is where you you surrender the touchdown. So as I said, Paulson just doesn't have that makeup speed that you might want in, a, in an outside corner, especially one who's going to be playing press because when he gets beat, he's got a chase. And where you lose this is Tyler kind of fakes to the flag route, but instead he's coming back this way. And watch how hard JT Gray bites on that flag route. Like he's way out of position. And that's like you are playing two deep safeties and he still gets on top of it. And obviously Gino just lays it in there perfectly and it's a touchdown. And it was at this point that I thought the Saints were going to blow another game. Right. It was like, you can't, you can't be, you got to be kidding me kind of thing. That was the first time I felt that way. <laughs> After the, the touchdown run was the second time I felt that way. Right. But, it was hard for me to remember which one was which when I was clipping these out because they look identical. The only difference is you can tell because this was from the 40 and the other one was from the 35. But you're ending up in almost the exact same situation. You have Paulson Adebo up here over Tyler Lockett. He's not quite impressed. But I think the bigger issue on this play is there's some miscommunication. Like they are checking this coverage and I think they're checking it to quarters and... I think Paulson gets confused because you can see the safeties are playing one coverage. Marshawn's playing a different coverage. Paulson's playing a different coverage. And it just does not look right from the start. And again, you, you can see like Paulson's not even set by the time Gino calls for the ball. He's still like, like looking around, talking to Tyron Matthew. Right. All of a sudden, oh crap, <laughs> I got to run now. And so again, gets beat. He does a better job of rerouting Tyler but I don't think he's supposed to be chasing him down the field. I think he is supposed to be getting up the field and protecting this zone, which is what you would do in quarters. And that's what everyone else is doing. But Paulson chases him inside. 
And I think that just catches everyone kind of off guard. And so Tyron is trying to make up for this and sink over there. And that's just where you get into trouble because Lockett's able to get over the top. And you can see like Marshawn gets hurt on this play. That's him rolling right, around, right. writhing in pain. And like this, like this is quarters. You're trying to play quarters here. Everyone is playing quarters except for Paulson. <laughs> so I think that there was a check that was missed. And that's where you end up with this play. It's still an incredible throw. Marshawn actually sees the ball in the air and he's trying to play center field. He's trying to be like an extra safety and he almost gets there. He kind of stumbles. And that's where you, where I said that uh, Tyler Lockett kind of caught him in the hip. Yeah. You can kind of see that there. Keno Smith drops it about the 50 yard line. He doesn't even step into this throw. Just flat footed. This is like an Aaron Rodgers type throw. Boom. Man. That is a 50 yard dime. Over four defenders. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like you could say, yeah, you screwed up the coverage, but like, touche. You know, when he let that ball go, I was like, there's no way. And it just, do you know, if you want to say this Seahawks defense might be the worst in the NFL, you could, you could make a really good case for it. You know, Geno Smith is playing very good football, and this offense is a lot better than I expected. What's impressive, I guess, is too, is like, where's this guy been since getting drafted and coming into the league? I mean, Obviously, we haven't seen – I feel like I haven't seen this Geno Smith at all in the NFL except against the Saints this year. But, yeah, all these plays that we, we've we just watched, and even during the game, I, I just came away so impressed with his poise, his arm, even his placement on stuff. Wait, you don't remember when he ended Eli Manning's career? <laughs> he was the reason. Got Ben McAdoo fired. Anyway, so those were the three long pass plays. But the most egregious – big play allowed was the second time I thought the Saints were going to blow this game. Because if you remember, they went up 31-19 on, you know, we were looking at, we looked at like seven touchdowns in this film study and there's just so many, there's so many touchdowns in this game. But they went up 31-19 late in the third quarter and then all of a sudden, they're down 32-19 because they at least stopped the two-point conversions and that came on this play. And this is not Rashad Penny. No, this is Kenneth Walker, who, you know, he is a rookie, but he was a he's a highly touted rookie. But what happens on this play is everyone loses the ball. Hmm. You hear a lot about players saying, okay, we need to have eye discipline. We need to see what's in front of us and not be reacting to things that aren't happening. Now, the, the offense is trying to make sure the opposite happens. They're running play action. They're running misdirection plays. They're cutting back. And that's what you see here. And what ends up happening is... All of the Saints defenders on the back end are playing this kind of front side run. Justin Evans up here still thinks Geno Smith has the ball. That's why he's not able to get down and make a play on Kenneth Walker here. Paulson Adebo thinks that Kenneth Walker is somewhere in this pile. So does Tyron Matthew. That's why he is shaded over here. So how does Kenneth Walker get wide open? Well, those are the two back end defenders, and they got sucked in because they thought that the ball was still in the pile. and. That's what play action, that's what misdirection runs do for you, is they force the defense to have to guess. And in this case, they guessed wrong. And you can understand why, right? Watch how this play developed. That's a play action kind of fake that Gino is kind of finishing the boot. And so that's why Justin Evans, who has seen Gino boot and get outside, he has the legs, he can make it hurt. So Justin Evans has to freeze. He's not able to get down. And you can see, like, you know, Kenneth Walker is not a huge guy. He's literally impossible to see in this kind of calamity of bodies, right? 
you are just guessing that he's there. And when he kind of sneaks out, Paulson Adebo's kind of line of sight is blocked. So he can't really see. He just sees a blur of white shirts. And one of them happens to have the ball and he's not aware of it. So that's when he kind of gets stuck behind Chris Harris and he's not going to be able to make it back. So that's over. Tyron Matthew has already taken a false step in this direction, thinking the exact same thing. And he reacts earlier than Paulson, but he's too far away and he's unable to get there. And so you have a 69 yard touchdown. And, you know, what you saw here, what you saw on that Taysom Hill touchdown run, you know, it's like, it's amazing these don't happen more often because that's all it takes. It just takes one guy taking a false step and all of a sudden the guy's gone. I feel like I said Paulson Adibo's name a lot throughout that. And it, and, and I did, you know, he, he made some nice plays in this game, but he really struggled. And I think that it's something you need to consider going forward. Is Paulson Adibo better suited for the slot? And, and here's why I think that is the case. Because one of the difficult things about playing in the slot is you have to come up and make hits. You have to track the running back out of the backfield. You have to find the tight end and lay the wood on him. Boom. Like that's an impressive tackle for a corner. And so, you know, if you're able to do that, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the slot, right? You can play both. You don't have to be exclusively in the slot, but he got one snap in the slot in this game. I think that you could have a better rotation, especially in matchups where you're going against a Tyler Lockett, a guy you know is going to try to burn you down the field and against a quarterback who you know is going to try to go over the top, right? If this was Pat Mahomes, if this was Josh Allen, this was Aaron Rodgers, I would say the same thing. So I think that's something that I wouldn't be surprised if we see throughout the season is Adebo getting worked more into the slot. And, you know, partially because he struggles with the pace and partially because he can put Noah Fant on his back in the open field on a third and five because it's forced to punt. Yeah, and this, this secondary coming into this week, we're going to have a, a lot of questions, obviously, with Marshawn Lattimore. You know, P.J. Williams isn't available and still questions about uh, Marcus May. Uh, definitely missing him. Oh, yeah. Mar- Marcus May not being out there has been significant, right? There's no question about that. And it's like we can we can criticize JT Gray for not being able to read that post route um, as well as he should have. He's not supposed to be your starting safety, right? right? You know, P.J. Williams was supposed to be your backup, and he's not out there either. So. You know, he's put in a tough spot. He didn't hold up. It's, there's only so much you can do. Um, there's a few other things I want to talk about. One of them, and I want to get to some positive things, right? <laughs> and this is one of them. And I think it's, a, it's a really good example of the Saints seeing something in coverage and taking advantage of it later in the game. So this is a third and five that the Saints don't convert. This is that play where Andy Dalton is kind of looking to Chris Olave and he gives that hard pump fake. I think. What happened, because Chris is open, because Chris is always open, I think what happened is the defensive end kind of jumps across his vision at the perfect possible moment. And I think what happens and why Andy pulls it down is you kind of lose the sight line to that throw, right? And you're inside your own territory. You do not want to make a mistake in this part of the field. And so the second he like loses his sight line, he pulls it down. And like that's the only thing that makes sense, because otherwise you're making this throw on third and five. Now... I wouldn't even call this a miss because he goes to Marquez Callaway as his second read and Marquez is open. He's unable to get to the first down marker. But what you see when you look at this play, like, you know, when they go over to the sideline and they're looking at the tablets and they're like, you know, oh, look at that. Look at that. Well, what you're going to see on this play is the Seahawks completely forget to cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. If Andy extends this play because he doesn't like throwing to Marquez short of the sticks, which, you know, you're always going to throw to Marquez there. So it's hard to say this is a mistake. 
But, you know, if he is able to if spot Alvin or, you know, kind of gets Marquez to start taking away and just kind of rolls out, this might be a touchdown. If you get the ball to Alvin there, there's no one ready to make a tackle. It would have been Alvin with the 70-yard touchdown in this game and not Kenneth Walker. But, you know, again, it's like it's not a miss, but it's there. And so you see that, you make note of it. And so you come back to this later. And if you remember, later in the game, similar part of the field, Alvin Kamara screen pass. And now this is not the same play, but it's similar, right? You're running two routes over here to kind of keep guys set on that side of the field. And then you have Alvin kind of leak out down here. And it's wild how wide open he is because you were able to generate the same look that you generated on that third down play. And in this case, it was designed to go to Alvin, right? I would be stunned if you could not draw a direct line from that play in the first half to this play in the second half because you're doing the same thing except you are setting it up so that you throw to Alvin. And look at how much space he has. With blockers ahead of him. It's beautiful. I mean, like... There's so much space. There's three blockers here. They're trying to find someone to block. Yeah. Where do they even go? Look how far they have to go to find a defender to block. Like, and, and like, because these guys are blocked. They're not even going to be able to get there. Alvin could start walking at this point, and he would still pick up like 15 yards. And like, these guys are going to chase him down eventually, but like, he could just literally just, just, just kind of like trot and be like, okay, when the blockers get out there, I'll, I'll, I'll make an effort. Um, but yeah, eventually Andrews Pete like kind of helps out on on Traquan's guy. Uh, you know, Caesar gets downfield. I feel bad because he's these guys are running. They're they're trying. The defense was so far away that they, they can't even find any of them. <laughs> and uh, I just thought that was kind of a neat a neat little thing. And one was a one one was a one yard gain on third down. The other one was a fifty four yard catch and run on the screen. Obviously, yeah, huge huge catch and run like you said for Kamara. I can't believe he didn't score on that play. Yeah, it was a long way. I think there's a lot of positives to be taken out of this team, even with a two and three start. I really like JP Holtz's run blocking. I really like how the Saints were able to kind of take advantage of some of the looks they saw early and turn them into big plays in the second half. That's a sign of a de- an offense that's adjusting and planning and and, and seeing things well. And uh, you just got to work on the defensive side of the ball of cleaning up those big plays uh, and figuring out how to how to better get safeties over the top. Um, because I think that's what the Saints have struggled at. And, you know, you can say you, you lost Marcus Williams, who was one of the better center fielders in football. You don't really have a true center fielder at safety anymore. And uh, I think they've that's that's hurt them, especially without Marcus May. So that's something they just got to figure out. But, yeah, that's the that's the end of my my film dive for this week. And a thing on offense, I mean, we're just starting to see a little bit of consistency of being able to to get down the field. But. Saints got to get healthy and no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, another big concern this week is losing a guy that has been outstanding for you in rookie, rookie Chris Olave to the concussion. Big question mark on if he's going to be ready. Obviously, if Mike T is able to come back from that toe injury, that's huge. It kind of seems like we'll get Jarvis Landry back this week, which will be another big improvement too at the wide receiving uh, numbers. But uh, definitely having now – a healthy Taysom Hill, I guess you could say early on, maybe that rib injury was more of an issue than it is right now, but he was a full practice at the end of last week. Hopefully that continues now into this week as well. And just seeing more of Alvin Kamara too, who also, that's another big injury. We mentioned, you know, turf toe, but the the rib injury this year, a lot of guys have been dealing with. Alvin Kamara looks to be doing fine from his rib issue. 
And obviously, a, a huge one-two punch last game with him and Hill running that rock or even, you know, Kamara in the receiving game as well. I hope hope to see Taysom get more involved in passing, you know, pass catching as the tight end, quote-unquote, that he was coming into this season. I just want to see a team have an identity on offense. And if that identity is running the ball, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to, you know, again, the Seahawks defense was very, as Bobby would put it, they're very sorry. It's a sorry defensive group. Far from um, the Legion of Boom, right? Yeah, right, right. More like the Legion of Bust noobs. But, you know, hopefully it's not just a mirage and they are able to kind of use this as a springboard because you, if you can be the hammer as Abram Smith, the yeah. uh, formerly of the Saints. I love which, it. Bring it back. You know, you you would rather be the hammer than the nail, as, as Abram Smith would tell us. And the Saints definitely that in this game. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything else you want to add before we close out here? Uh, just another big key that uh, Dennis Allen brought up on Monday was the fan impact on the mm. you know, the Seahawks uh, offense having a number of miscues and uh, causing them to get some penalties. And obviously said that's going to be another key this week against the Bengals. I was actually really impressed. I did not think the Superdome was going to be as packed for this game just because the Saints had been struggling and not looking so great. But it was even an early arriving crowd, like come introductions and everything. The, the stands were full. There was no like, oh, looking up in the you know the rafters there and seeing a bunch of empty seats. So really huge shout out to the Houdat Nation who showed up in full force and and definitely made an impact in this home game. And this, the team's going to need them again for another early start. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, there was at least one play. You know, they announce a lot of fan impact plays in the sure. stadium, right? And it's like, eh, you know, did the fans <laughs> really impact the play? I don't know. But there was at least one in the second half where the Seahawks, I think they were third and five, and it got loud, like loud. Yeah. And the Seahawks false started. And it was like, okay, you know, that's a fan impact play. that You can, you can attribute that false start directly to the fans being – insanely loud um and that's not something i i think we saw at all last year you know there was moments where it got loud but none that you would say like oh they're impacting this game and you know maybe it's just a matter of seeing a win right or yeah some some good football i mean the 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 offense definitely was exciting you saw you know cam jordan getting after the quarterback and just for me I, i can tell being on the field for the home games the, the earpiece you have in it just starts vibrating because of the the all that the the decibels just ringing through and it's it's tough and and I just think about that as me just being on the sideline what is the quarterback for the opposing team dealing with so really uh, like I said huge shout out to the fans Dennis Allen acknowledged it and definitely need that this week again against a tough Joe Burrow led offense with the Cincinnati Bengals who. Uh, have been struggling, you know, on their on their uh, own as well, and it's something that that we can see this team take a huge stride by putting another win together. I know they're taking it, you know, game by game kind of thing, but to get one and zero this week, and then just to get even on the season heading into a Thursday night matchup at Arizona would be massive. First step, get back to five hundred. Yeah. Next step, figure out how to how to how to win the NFC South. And you'll go from there. But yeah, if you're if you're in there rooting for Joe Burrow next week, that's a problem. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. We get it. He's already won a title in the in the Superdome. He doesn't need another one. Exactly. I know a lot of folks are talking about the LSU, you know, fan, you know, 
players on there. That's great. Yeah, I appreciate the national championship they brought to LSU, but but what uh, you should do is 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 heckle Eli Apple relentlessly. Yes, right, relentlessly without remorse. Do not give that man a second of peace. He has earned every every yell that you have for him. So give it to him uh, and make sure he hears it. And be nice. Just tell him he smells. You'll definitely upset his mom, too, because she gets very sensitive over stuff. She'll tweet at you. But uh, on the defense, man, uh, the two other guys, Trey Hendrickson and Von Bell, more local influence, not local, but Saints influence on their former former black and gold guys that have been really big impacts for the Cincinnati Bengals. I did not think Trey Hendrickson was going to be worth all that money because he seemed to never be healthy here in New Orleans. T-Rex coming back. All right. It's going to wrap it up for us here on this Wednesday edition of Inside Black and Gold. Uh, if you're listening to this, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to watch the film that we broke down, head over to YouTube, WWL Sports. Make sure to subscribe there. We're going to probably try to keep doing this Tuesday afternoon because it's the best time that we can find to record and also get it out to y'all. I know it's not ideal because people have jobs and stuff, but so do we. And, you know, it's easier to get this done during work hours than at 7 o'clock at night. So, Amen. You know, work with us here, and we're going to work with you. Thanks for everyone who listened, and uh, let's do it. Next time you hear us, we'll have some injury updates, hopefully some positive news, and into week six. All right, y'all. Peace.